Hi everybody and welcome to another iWoofs. You're here with Kelly Dunbar. Hi there. Ian Dunbar. Hello everybody. And me, Jamie Dunbar. Hi guys. Hi there, Jamie. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about uh, growl classes and some of the logistics and equipment that uh, make one of those function properly. So I guess first of all, we should probably explain what is a growl class and why might someone be interested in one. Well, growl classes are intended for dogs which um, are reactive, but they're not dangerous. And this is a lot of dogs out there that, whereas it's, it's, it's insanely simple to socialize dogs to like people, it can be challenging to socialize dogs so that they're okay with other dogs. Mm -hmm. And of course, the very first time a dog gets into a scrap, um, the owner's different. Um, mm -hmm. He or she just falls apart, and now she's nervous, you know. So we're talking about reactivity with other dogs, not with yes. people. Yes. Oh, yeah. Growl clock with, with dogs. Yeah, okay. so it's dog-dog. So these dogs are friendly with, with people. Yeah. And, and as I said, from the very first incident, the, the owner changes, and now the dog's socialization just stops dead almost. You know, whereas the dog was off-leash and meeting other dogs and having his little squabbles and resolving stuff, now he's on-leash and the leash is tight, and, and socialization is restricted, so the problem's getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And what would you call an incident, though? Because I think, you know, this is called a growl class, and I, I don't know, I think an inc what, what, what people consider an incident would be different in different sort of reaction or, or, or bad reaction. You know, some people are very, uh, get their feathers ruffled if their dog is just reactive on leash, barking right. from a distance, that's very embarrassing, it looks scary. So how do you know your dog is reactive but not dangerous? Well, we, like we have to be very objective. Um, obviously, you know, emotions come into play, people are really scared. So we analyze the dog's bite-fight history, as I call it. And there's some irony here that if you have a dog, say, who's been involved in 20 full contact fights, you know, three seconds or more, like, like, and there's no damage done. Well, you know the dog's safe. And if he's had 20 of those, you know he's really safe. Mm -hmm. And all he's lacking, or all the owner is lacking, is confidence in getting them to play again and, and giving the dogs the, the you know, the, the proper feedback when they play. Mm -hmm. I think, we don't, I, I do think that a lot of people never get that far, though, because if a dog is reactive on leash, Many people never let them off leash to play to find out whether or not their dog is friendly. And you get this a lot with people who have adopted their dogs that are too old for a puppy class, never went to a class like that, and I think in a lot of cases are overly rambunctious and excited and perhaps um, under undermannered, if you will, for lack of a, a, another yeah. term, and they don't know if their dog is aggressive or not. I don't. I don't know whether we need to make that distinction and you know if that matters because it does sound like a growl class will benefit them regardless. But we're, we're not talking about aggressive here. Again, we have to be objective. We're talking about danger. And so, ironically, for a dog that's not been involved in a fight yet, we don't know what would happen if. I mean, I would say, and we have to separate what I think from what I know, I would say the dog's probably going to be okay if he's not been in a fight. Because if the dog wanted to be in a fight, he'd pull any owner off their feet you know, if he wanted to get there. So that hasn't happened. So I would say it's probably going to be okay, but we don't know. And the irony here is, when the dog's had many full contact fights, we do know he's safe. And this is a more extreme, it appears to be a more extreme case, 
although it's not, and when you show quick res resolution, I think this gives onlookers the, the courage to do the same sort of stuff with their dog, even though they're, they're walking him on leash. Couldn't you also say, not just based on the fact that the dog hasn't yet pulled anybody over and gotten into a fight, wouldn't you partially put your money on this because it's just statistically correct? I would put my money on it, yeah, but the same way as I put my money on a, on a lottery ticket, but we don't know. I mean, I find it really impressive when you have two dogs fighting, say for three seconds, five seconds, ten seconds, and then when it's over, they're, <clears throat> they're just wet. There's, there's not any scratches, let alone punctures. That's so. more normal. <coughs> Yes, I mean it's more normal. You see, people used to know this back, you know, 20, 30 years ago when more people walked their dogs off leash. So the scrap happened off leash. Then you know, oh, the dog scraps, so we need to do something about that. But he doesn't cause damage. Right. It seems like that's uh, that's something that's happening a lot less. That people are keeping their dogs from getting into this kind of situation in the first place. <coughs> Which isn't all bad. I mean, management right. certainly is a good thing. If you don't know what the outcome is going to be because you didn't know the dog in its early life, you know, you don't know its history, perhaps. Um, you know, there's nothing really wrong with management. Um, it does change the outlook, though. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, but it's not what we're talking about now. We're talking about growl classes, which how can we do something about this quickly? Okay, so because the dog qualifies for, for growl class if it's been in several fights and hasn't done damage. Yeah. And then um, we start off, it's usually a six-week class, although I, I did some workshops recently where, of course, it's a one-class event. And so we start off with the dogs on leash. And this is where most of the work is done um, because you're, you're training the owners to give appropriate feedback because what most owners do is ignore the good and moan and groan at the bad. So they don't react all the times the dog is good and when their dog reacts, they're like, oh, no, no, back, oh, no, no, That's no. what most people so do in general. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's the biggest human foible in the world that messes with their lives. But it actually now causes the dog to become more reactive because the dog is learning, if you like, that whenever he sees another dog, his owner gets upset and aggressive and fearful and, and all this stuff. So it's putting him on edge. And so... We start off really simply with uh, owners standing around with the dogs on leash and they're muzzled. And I should say the muzzles are for the owners, for their peace of mind, because we've already assessed that we deem these dogs to be safe because they've had fights and never hurt another dog. And I, I teach the owners how to give appropriate feedback. Um, what we call representative observation, representative feedback. So every 10 seconds, 15 or 20, I say, are your dogs being good? And they say, yeah, I said, then praise them. Because you're now praising your dog in a room full of seven other reactive dogs. I like eight to a class. Well, it's teaching people to reframe their perspective. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it, it's amazing how quickly this works. I mean, I did a number of classes in, in Japan with 40 dogs per class. And they're all little, barky, snarky, bitey, you know. And it, it took about 40 minutes until I would say all the dogs but two have now calmed down and they're starting to look at their owners. So the gift that we can give to everybody is you can now walk your dog on leash without him reacting and, and making the whole walk unpleasant. 
you know, because we want the dog to get into the habit of, when he sees another dog, to look at you. So we do this really neat routine, you know, we see another dog, and I use the term cookie dog, you say to your dog, oh look, there's a cookie dog, and you take two steps backwards, and then you do a little dance and clap your hands. And of course the dog looks at you like, what the hell's going on here? But I like it. Yeah, but what you've done is you've turned him round. So he's not eyeballing the other dog and vice versa. So now the other dog sees his waggy butt and now we're getting back to the classical conditioning the way it should be. Um, and so again, this is the greatest gift to give to everybody, that you can now walk your dog on leash and he won't make you look like an idiot or the walk won't be unpleasant. The next step is now, right, now we're going to let the dogs off leash. In the, in the one session things, we never got round to that. Although, in like in Holland, I was quite willing, but not one owner was willing to well, do it. Well, they need time to build their confidence oh, and change their habits. And, yeah. I do, and, the, yeah. and, the, and truthfully, for conditioning to take place in any permanent or long-standing way, they would need more time, yeah? Yeah, the, the class is to show them how to do it. Mm -hmm. What they've got to do now is walk their dog in a, in a less stressful situation, if you think about it, because growl classes are stressful. You know, there's eight reactive dogs there, eight really nervous owners, um, but what we've done is, in a very short time, is to have the dogs in this room and, and not be reactive. So when they go out on the streets, this is less of a challenge for them. Well, I think it's funny. I can see, obviously, where it would be more stressful, in one sense, for the dogs to have a bunch of other dogs that closer, you know, in, in proximity that are also reactive, or for the people. But I was thinking the opposite. I was thinking, you're actually in... A group of your peers where it's okay and you can don't have to overly apologize right. for the fact that your dog is reactive. Everybody is You're in a safe same place, a judgment-free. Exactly. Yeah. Uh -huh. Everybody understands. So at least you can then focus on what you need to do, and everyone right. else is on board. And for the owners, definitely. Yeah, I think yeah, the owners would feel. I mean, it's. I think also just being in front of an audience is going to make a lot of people nervous yeah, that's as well. True. But yes, definitely. Yeah, when we filmed uh, my TV program, we had a grout class there. As a joke, I went round and everybody had to introduce themselves and say, you know, my name is Ian, I own a reactive dog. Everyone or I live with a reactive dog. <laughs> no, no, they, they introduced themselves. Like, you was role say, play. Oh, <laughs> my name is Kelly. Uh -huh. and then everyone would say, welcome, Kelly. Uh -huh. And the owners were all working together. And, and yeah. that was just really nice and yeah. helped ease a lot of the frustrations and... Um, Right, because I think a lot of people probably feel some shame or, you know, some, mm -hmm. they, they don't feel good about themselves when their dog well, is being... Well, they're embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed. And yeah. nervous or scared. And often they get met with uh, with ugly comments or mm -hmm. scowls, too. You know, the word real world, they might their dog might startle yeah. somebody right. or set off another dog. I think there's a lot of pressure on a dog that, you know, is, is reacting out in the environment. I think, yeah. That I, makes I, the owner worse. When we did the few workshops last year and we filmed them, I, I thought I'd get a lot of flack from people saying, that's so stressful, what are you doing? Um, and I thought about it and I thought, well, the point is doing nothing is really stressful for the dog and the owner. Their life is a misery. If you're anxious, then the, you're, you're hitting the anxiety every day, every time you see another dog. And you're not improving and, it. Yeah, my view is it is kind of like when you kept bugging me to go on these water slides and I was so scared to do it. and. Eventually you got Last tall year. enough, I had to do it. No, this was a long time ago, Kelly. And so I'm at the top of this water slide. I'm so scared. Um, I just did it. And the fear went away. I said, let's do it again. And I think this is what happens to the dogs. We break a lot of the rules in training that we're flooding the dog with a social stimulus, which is a big no-no. 
but because the resolution is so quick, and, and I think the tools we give the owners, they can now go out on the street and, and continue what they've learned in class and their dog's back on track. Mm -hmm. So the, the one complaint we did get was, and, and this, you know, it, I get, it gets up my nose when people are looking at the big picture and all they see is one little thing and they say, but one of the dogs here in the video has a choke collar on. Mm -hmm. You know, how could you let that happen? Um, well, my view about this is everyone has the written information, what to do beforehand, and have your dog come on either a plain leather rolled or flat collar or a martingale. Well, they've turned up to a growl class with a pinch collar on, which means what? They think they need it. Mm -hmm. if, or, or, if I, they, or they yeah, didn't read the instructions. If I upset them, of... they could have, that could be that. That could be that. Yeah, but my assumption that. is they've read the instructions and if they turn up with a pinch collar on, they think they need it. So why should I insult or upset them before we've even started? It's, mm -hmm. it's going to be stressful for the owners as it is. And if we were doing a growl class normally, um, I really like to get the dogs off leash in the first session. Um, Which would mean taking off that collar. Taking well, off, yeah. Training, you, any you, training collars. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think that just by not using, utilizing tools that you, you deem unnecessary and showing other ways to do it, you just work through that, that very problem nicely, very yeah. nicely. I mean, yeah. if, they, if you show them they don't need it mm -hmm. in real time, then they won't use it and it becomes a moot. Right, right. right. Uh, I think this could be a great a great tool for people. I, it sounds like the, the the main takeaway here, though, is to not to bury your head in the sand when you have a problem. Take a deep breath, get your dog's focus, and go out there and jump off that water slide. Yes. <laughs> but I think yeah, the, the reason we filmed it was that you know not many people are offering. Um, growl classes and most treatments for dog-dog reactivity is very slow, yeah. takes forever. And so I thought, well, if we film it, people can watch what you have to do. Now they can do it on the streets on their own, which is a, a much easier eventuality, I think. Mm -hmm. Because it, it's so sad, you know, if you think about it, you get a dog and you can't enjoy walking it. I mean... Nobody signs up for that, I'm yeah. it's It really is always heartbreaking with any, any behavior problems when the relationship breaks down due to frustration or embarrassment. So again, jump off that water slide. All right, jump Train off that water slide. <laughs> On three. <laughs> One, two, three, wee! Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. <laughs>